0: Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome. Let's uh, let's just take a collective deep breath. Um, You know, I just uh, just wonder, uh, what does the Lord want to do in your life today? What does the Lord want to do in my life today? I don't want to rush that. I don't want to hurry that. I want God to be God. Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you to come. As we come before you, Lord, I think I hear what you're saying. And I just ask and pray that uh, you give me the mental capacity to get it right as I come before you God we just ask and pray we need your spirit we need your power we need your love we need your strength just to do the things that you've asked of us Lord let alone the things that we want to do and so we say come Holy Spirit Amen. I believe that when God called me to this place uh, in Richmond, that he wanted to do something absolutely incredible. Specifically, when he called me to this physical building, I believe that he wanted to do something um, incredible. And I do believe that God still wants to do something very great through you in this building. And as I think about that, um, you know, as I was was been gone for the last week, uh, I'm the area leader for the vineyard churches around here. We're a movement, not necessarily a denomination, but as a result of that, I go away once a Year for um, four days, for three or four days of training, and we were down in Phoenix, um, suffering for the Lord in the eighty-five and ninety-degree weather by the pool on occasion. Um, but in meetings, um, but I was reminded. Uh, I was reminded of what God had done, and um, this this uh, video testimony that we want to share with you just kind of sparked that. As 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 I was already writing this message, as it was pretty much all summed up before I saw this. It's like, okay, God is up to something. But but listen. Listen to Evan's testimony from Evan's
1: mouth. Uh, I started coming with Audrey on weekends when we met in college. We'd come home for the weekend, naturally, like someone trying to court a young lady. I followed her here. And I think that that's kind of what drew me in as someone who's involved in music, um, was the worship was just very energetic and genuine. So it really stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, this is somewhere I could see us like just planting and staying. Uh, first team I got involved with was worship team. I've been drumming in some capacity, whether it's school or ensembles, other groups, since I was 10 years old. So it's a pretty natural spot to plug into. Um, And then that allowed me to just really meet other people, not only with common interest in their faith, but common interest in their hobbies and being involved with music. I was fortunate to be uh, on the worship team when we went and played in Pennies the night that we did that as a uh, just kind of like call to like come to fruition thing. And so that was just a really memorable moment being there. It was very raw and emotional. There's just like columns here. And I think like over to the sides, there were like still leftover clothes hangers that are just empty. We didn't quite have a setup even that we do today because we just kind of carried everything over there and did a somewhat of a sound system that worked, but everything about it was just very raw and genuine and emotional. And I still remember that pretty vividly. Uh, sitting in there with like the dust coming off the tiles as people are singing and worshiping. I could feel the vision of the church like in that moment and like what it could be like the potential of it to like impact and spread throughout uh, the whole mall here as I know they've talked about the the Mercy Center, the Faith Center, I'm not sure on the the title, but just the impact that we could have on Central Kentucky and on this county to to open up a larger space for more inclusivity and more people to be touched. When I think about the scale of what I do during a week, all the hours that I spend outside of church versus the hours that I actually spend inside of church, it doesn't exactly balance out with how important church is to me in my life. There have been times where i'm like oh do i have time to do this and then at the end of the day i start thinking about it, I'm like yeah i do I, I need to make time to do this because it's so important to me and i think it's important to other people who come in this church whether you've been coming and it's your first time or you've been coming and it's in your 10 years like me to find a place that's welcome i mean that's what brought me in that made me feel comfortable and when people feel comfortable that's when when God can start to move in their lives and open up their heart, so.
0: Amen. So we're jumping into this thing, and we're remembering that, you know, lives are being touched and changed because you choose to believe that God wants to do something, and so you faithfully tithe, and then the the staff of this church faithfully administrates the resources that are brought in here. But this isn't a series about giving. It's not a series about that. I want to look at a a story in the book of Mark. We're wrapping up today this sermon series called, Do You Believe? And and the truth of the matter is, I could go on for a couple of more weeks. Um, I just kind of maybe— got a little too anxious and didn't let it keep going a little bit because the next um, sermon series is um, our annual Psalm song series. And, you know, normally we don't start that till June, but hey, May is here and why not? You know, COVID, we can do, you know, so it's like, hey, Um, and so we started talking about the songs we're going to do and I started getting wound up. But I want to talk about Do You Believe? And I want to look at a story from the book of Mark. Mark is kind of the the foundation of, of the Gospels. And when we say Gospels, I need you to grab a hold of this idea. There are not four Gospels. There is one gospel, but there are four accounts of it. Four different people wrote on what they saw, heard, or in Luke's case, what he researched out. But there's only one gospel, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that God sent down here to die for our sins, not just die for our sins, but raise him from the dead so that we of all people on this planet might have hope and live our life to its fullest not worrying about dying because if we die we win and if we don't die we win and so why don't we just embrace these things that you know maybe are a little ludicrous or crazy but here we are and we're in this place right here <laughs> we're in this place called the Richmond Mall and, and this is where God planted us and I'll talk about that in a minute but I also feel like the Holy Spirit said this morning a couple of minutes ago that the thing that was going through my head that's what I want to say to this church so If you're watching now, and if you're here now, you might want to go back on Tuesday and watch the earlier service, because somebody might say, no, we didn't go to that service. That's not what he said at that service. My wife is always saying, you preach two different sermons every time. Well, I'm pretty much going to today, okay? So, this time, she will be absolutely right. But I want to turn, I, I just want you to open up your Bible, open up your implement. I know it's going to turn up there. I know it is. But I'm just telling you, man, there is so much gold in this thing. There is so much conviction in my heart. There is so much challenge. There is so much encouragement. There is so much power to live my life as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a church leader. There is so much power if I will just keep getting this thing inside of me. So I want to look at this in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 14, and I want you to plug yourself into this, uh, this story somewhere, and I want you, because it, it, it's a real story, and I hope you do understand, um, you find a way to make it a metaphor for your life, but this is a real happening. Mark is the quintessential foundation, so legally speaking, Mark is a first-person document that can be cited as truth in a court of law. It can be. He was there. He saw this, what I'm about to show, uh, share with you, happen. He saw it happen. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, it says, When they came together, excuse me, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with the other disciples as soon as all the people saw Jesus they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him they left the argument that was going on what are you arguing with them about Jesus asked and of course he's asking his disciples a man in the crowd answered teacher I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. (sighs) Oh, unbelieving generation. I really believe Jesus took a breath there. I really do. I believe he went, oh, unbelieving generation. I don't think he was like, oh, you unbelieving generation. For real? I think he went, oh, you unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? And how long shall I put up with you? And I don't think he meant them. I think he meant this attitude. Really? Come on, guys. Okay? Bring the boy to me. So, they brought him. When the spirit, spirit, little s, saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, and I love that. He turns and asks the father, how long is this boy been you know doing this stuff how long has he been doing that from childhood he answered it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us if you can do anything jesus said everything is possible for him who believes you believe that i don't mean do you believe that it's written in my bible I don't don't mean, do you believe that Jesus said that one day? I mean, do you believe that? That everything is possible for him who believes. Everything. Not anything, not some things. It says, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, and I love this, I do believe, Lord. Help me overcome my unbelief. It says, uh, let's see where I was. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit and said, you deaf, mute spirit. He said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive that out? His, he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. And in some manuscripts, this t- kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. And I'm going to tell you, you've heard me say it before. I do say it with a little tiny bit of humor. But man, I, I, the fasting is something we're supposed to do do. It's something we're actually supposed to do. Like, on Wednesday, we're supposed to say, we're not going to eat on Wednesday, specifically when the sun comes up till the sun goes down. We're not going to eat anything during that period. Some people will say, nothing at all for whatever period of time. It, 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 it makes me hungry. It does, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I love when God calls me to fast through lunch because I know something's humming, coming. But I'm telling you right now, when God says, I want you to fast, and I'm like, 1129. I mean, it's your 1229, 58, 59, 60. I can have a sandwich now. It's like I fasted through lunch. I, that's not how it's supposed to work. See, when you go without, you just don't move the clock. But sometimes this kind only comes out with prayer and with fasting. Now, as this story unfolds, the truth of the matter is this. Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Understands um, um, theologically, you pull out a commentary from the shelf, um, you'll find that he went up the mountain in the middle of the afternoon, stayed overnight, probably was transfigured, probably was transfigured in the morning, um, in the presence of Moses, Elijah, God, the Father, and Peter, and James, and John. Because he was always asking Peter, James, and John to go with him. Okay? He had 12 disciples, but he still singled some out for special attention, treatment, for leadership, whatever you want to call it. So, he, he goes up on the mountain. They're coming down the mountain. As they're coming down the mountain, he says, listen, the Son of Man is going to die. And, and they have this big, long discussion about that. And he says, but don't tell anybody. Keep it on the down low, okay? Keep it on a shh. Don't say a word. And then when he comes down the mountain, there's a circumstance. There's always a circumstance in our lives, isn't there? There's a circumstance. Pastor Joe, I was having a great day, but then there was a circumstance. Then something happened. Well, something was happening with Jesus. And so they're coming down the mountain and this is what's going on. See, the disciples had just seen something, those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that nobody else ever has seen. They saw Jesus transformed into glory. And Peter... Bless his little heart. That's what you're supposed to say when you're south of the Ohio River. Bless his little heart. Didn't know what to do. And he was so in awe of God and fearful that he started running his mouth and saying, Oh Lord, can we build tabernacles? Can we just build one for you and for Moses? And and I love in Matthew's account that God breaks in and it says, And while he's speaking, he says, Listen to him. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And in my translation, is a shut up, Peter! Sit down and be quiet. Pay attention to what's going on around you because God is doing something. You know, sometimes we miss that God is doing something because we're busy, don't we? We miss that God is doing something because we're running our mouths. We miss that God is doing something because we won't do things God's way. We miss that God is doing something because we want to follow him to church, but we don't want to follow him on Monday. (laughs) That starts getting expensive. It'll cost us friends. People will think we're weird. We're gonna pray for him, we're gonna talk to him, we're gonna invite him to church. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, Pastor Janice is famous for saying, listen, you don't have to be weird. And I understand what she's saying, but yes, you do. Okay? me well, just for the record, I'm the boss. Oh, yes, I am. Don't shake your head no. Okay? I'm just saying. There's a place there for us to stop and say, wow, we miss what God is doing because we're too busy running ahead of him instead of just backing down and sitting down and looking around us. And we're going to talk about that just a little tiny bit. So they come down. I'm sorry. I think this is the Lord. No, it's not. It's my son, Joseph. He's about to get off the Christmas list because he knows what I'm doing right now. So anyway, Peter's terrified. He says something. The situation is that a young man possessed with a demon has been brought to Jesus. Jesus was not there. The disciples decided to take matters into their own hands, and they failed. Isn't that crazy? You say, well, of course they failed. They're disciples. Now, time out. I checked this. Before this situation, Jesus had already sent the 12 out. Two by two. You know what he told them to do? He said, go out there and heal people, go out there and preach the good news, and go out there and cast out demons. They had already done this. The man with a a boy with a problem, and I'm going to say a young man, his dad brings him and he says, listen, I need Jesus. And they say, Jesus is not here. And so what does he do? He says, okay, great, fine. And they're like, hey, we can take care of this. Let us do it. And he says, fine, you do it. And so, they tried and nothing happened. The boy, the child, the man had a demon inside of him. Don't think Hollywood. Don't think devil, little tail. Don't think big wings. Don't think whatever, you know, scary movie you like to watch on Friday while you're eating pizza. Don't think that. Think demon that wants to wreck your life. Think demon that is going head-to-head with angels while the devil is going head-to-head with God think demons but choose to believe please don't not believe in the devil because even the devil believes in god don't not believe in demons they are for real and they were facing one right there and so jesus walks up and he says what's going on and i love that the man has not left okay the demon threatened the young man's life. And I love, no, no, no. The other thing I love is a couple of weeks ago, I, I told you that God wants to talk with you. He actually really wants to talk with you. And I love that when, when this man didn't get his son healed, he didn't leave. And Jesus came down and said, what's up? What are you guys doing? And they said, well, we tried to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and Jesus says, bring him, bring him to me. I want to talk to him. I love that Jesus said, I want to talk to him. I want to touch his life. I want to be involved with you. Can you hear God saying that to you today? I want to be involved with you. Can you believe it? Can you believe that God wants to be a part of your business? He wants to be a part of your marriage. He wants to be a part of your relationships. He wants to be a part of your failure. He wants to be a part of your success. He wants to be a part of having kids with you. He wants to be a part of what you're doing. God does. He walked right into this guy's life and said, bring me your son. Hey, while you're bringing me your son, let me ask you a question. How long has this been going? Tell me your story. God wants to, do you think God didn't know his story? He knew there was a demon there. He could figure it out real quick. The demon threatened the young man's life on a regular basis, made him mute. That means he couldn't speak. He has seizures, throws him to the ground, foams at the mouse, grinding his teeth together, becomes rigid. This is the tough part. Regularly throws this kid into the fire or the water to burn him or drown him. So you can only imagine this has been going on his whole life. That kid's got some scars. He has got some scars on his face, his hands, maybe his legs. Because whenever the dad isn't paying attention, the demon is at work. Can you imagine 24-7 having to be on guard for one of your children? And not being able to take a break. I can. not I'm just telling you that my kids got to the place that I thought, if you don't get out of this house, I'm going to be the demon. (laughs) If you don't get away from me right now, where I can have some peace and quiet, you're going to see another side of Papa. You know, and again, I wasn't the perfect Papa. I'm just saying that this man had to be with that child 24-7, caring for him. And you have to decide, do you believe in this? This story is about a demon, the Lord, witnesses. And remember, Mark was there. Mark saw this happen. That's why he wrote it down. And an exorcism. Do you believe in exorcism? Well, I don't know. I saw the movie back in 1980. I I didn't, okay? It was too scary for me. I didn't want to see it. Still don't want to see it. Thank you very much. That's not an exorcism. That's Hollywood. That's not a demon. That's Hollywood. See, do you believe in demons? Do you believe in angels? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in a very real devil? Because what he wants you to do is not believe in him. Because at that point, you are so vulnerable. So vulnerable. Jesus inquired of the boy and the father responds, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father exclaimed, Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. So let's talk about this man. He's honest. He's real. He's tired. There's no pretense. He's not posturing. He's not pretending to be more Christian than he is. He's not pretending to be more religious than he is. He's not pretending to be more pious than he is. He is a man who is struggling. He doesn't even have to know that Jesus is the son of God. He believes that he's a great prophet. And could you please, if it's possible, do anything. Notice that he wants, can you do anything to help us? You may not be able to heal him. But can you do anything, please? I just need some help. And he's crying, and he's asking at the same time that he's apologizing for his limited faith. I feel like I I hear him being ashamed that he's not more believing in God, you know, as a Jew. And he's shaking in his body. That's just the way I see it. Doesn't that describe us at some point? Doesn't that describe us? we're choking on our doubt and we're crying out in our hope we're like God I I want to want to believe I really do but I've never seen you do what I said when I asked you to do it see because that's not how it's supposed to work he does care about us he does want to step in but this poor man was choking just choking on his doubt And he was absolutely crying out in hope. Please, God, help me, please. And I find myself at times doing that very thing, choking on doubt and crying out in hope. If you can do anything, Lord, and I love that about this man. Usually I find myself when I step out in faith into what God has not asked me to do. (laughs) Then I find myself choking on doubt. And crying out for hope, because I'm going to do something really great for you, God. If you'll just bless it, can you just look this way? I spent the week in Phoenix, Arizona, in meetings, after meetings, after meeting, and somewhere in the meeting, the Lord spoke very, very clearly to me, very clearly, and and I had to repent because he said he said you've been tasked, you've not been tasked, excuse me, with the defense of this church. I asked you to lead it. I did not ask you to defend it. Because it's not my church. Listen, now, I'm not interested in being the hired man that runs off when the wolf or the bear or the lion comes. I'm not interested in that. I'm here for God, and if the wolf or the bear or the lion kills me, then I'm going to die for his sheep. But God had to remind me that when you get into protect mode, when you get into the mode where you have to take care of the stuff that you've got, when you get into the mode where it's like, I'm looking for the lion everywhere, you're not leading. You're not moving forward anymore. You're holding on. And the Lord convicted me of that, and I had, to, I had to repent because, you know, when COVID came and the lockdown came, this church and the people of this church and the businesses that are represented in this church were the biggest thing on my heart. The families that were going to go under, the marriages that have been stressed to the limit and, and maybe fallen apart. The children that were caught in the middle of all of this. And for whatever reason, and it's my brokenness. The Lord said, It wasn't your job to protect them to begin with, Joe. I just needed you to lead them. And that's what I want you to go back to Kentucky and do. And so that's what I'm doing. It's a good reminder Joe, you're just a sinner. We're all sinners. Jesus calls us away from our sin because our sin separates us from God, not because he hates us, not because he doesn't want us to have fun. Sinners are having fun. They are. Sinning is fun. If sinning wasn't fun, sinners wouldn't do it. You can take that to the bank, okay? But what they don't take into account is the consequence that catches up with them later. They don't take that into account. And and locally, it'll break their life. Eternally, it'll break their relationship with God. Jesus calls us away from sin because it separates us from God, and he doesn't want to be separated from us. He wants to be with us. And Jesus calls us away from sin because he came to save us from hell and back into the family. Away from this, but into this. Not this eternity. You know hell wasn't created for human beings? The scripture is very clear. Hell was created for the devil and his own unholy angels, it says, that's what it says. Not for human beings. We were created to live forever with God. But we rebelled. We're still rebelling, aren't we? It's still a daily struggle for us to rebel. And we don't even have to wait for somebody to walk up and hit us on the cheek twice. You know, somebody strikes you on that right cheek, you turn the other one, and what do you always say? Yeah, but the third time, I'm going to lay down. It's on. It's like, no, that's not what Jesus said. <laughs> he said, "Turn the other cheek." You know, anymore, it just takes a, a rose thorn. It doesn't even take a upside the face a little prick, and you're like, "Wow!" You're pulling out your big spiritual guns, right? I, I, I am. I'm, I'm confessing here. I am. I'm, I'm ready. And God said, "Stop defending. Start leading. Do that." God wants to help us, not because we're so good not because we're so smart, not because we're so pretty, but because he's God. Because he's God, he wants to help you. I can't make you believe that. Belief is a choice. Second thing I want to share with you is Jesus makes a statement. You and I are human beings, just like the man in the story, and then Jesus makes a statement, all right? The Father suggests that he's weak and his faith is weak. Jesus might be able to help him. Can you do anything? anything he says i will take anything you have i will take any crumbs that you have just like the syrophoenician woman that approached jesus and jesus said you're not a jew i've come to the jews and she said listen even the dogs under the table get the crumbs from the children that they sweep off now that metaphor is not lost on me at my house i have two dogs left they outweigh my grandkids two to one My dogs could take anything away from my grandkids that they want to take away from my grandkids. My grandkids can walk around the house with a muffin and they can take the muffin if they want to. They don't even have to work together. But my dogs wait patiently on the floor underneath of my grandkids because my dogs know that they don't eat well. They come to grandma and grandpa, they've got great parents. But we have to teach them to use a fork sometimes. And when they don't use the fork, it ends up on the floor. It barely can hit the floor, barely, before a dog is there and it's gone. So that metaphor is not lost on me when this dad says, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. Do you believe that? So while I'm typing this up last week because I needed to get it sent in to Michael um, because he's a taskmaster. He's really the boss. But he's a taskmaster. And I try to have it into him by Wednesday. Okay? And man, sometimes it's like a Wednesday Lem 59. Sometimes it's like tough. You know, it's going to be Thursday. I, I'm a failure. It's going to be Thursday. But I get it in. But while I'm typing this up, the Lord said, this is the answer that you're looking for. So I, I typed it up right in the middle of This whole message. But this is what I'm supposed to say. You came in here looking for a specific answer. You did. I don't don't know what your question is, and I don't need to know which and I don't need to know which one of you it is. But I know this. I know this, because I know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said while I was typing this up, that somebody's gonna walk into this church, more than one, but somebody's gonna walk into this church and they got a question. And this is the answer. And all I get is the answer. I don't get the question. I don't know what your question is. But this is the answer. Are you ready? Listen, I want, I'm, I'm telling you, God said this to you today. Build your life on this statement. Are you ready? I have bigger things in store for you. I don't know what your question was, but this is your answer. I have bigger things. In store for you, why are you about to settle for less than my best? Why are you going the road of Hagar? Why are you trying to make God's plan happen? Why aren't you willing to say, God, I will wait? Why are you chasing God with whatever it is you're chasing Him with and up to the last minute and then you give up? When I was reading this story and when somebody came over here and talked to me just a couple of seconds ago, my heart was already racing with this piece right here and the Lord saying, New sermon. So this is the new emphasis right here. Did you notice that the Father came to Jesus and Jesus wasn't there? Have you ever gone to church and Jesus? wasn't there you knocked on the door and he's not home in your estimation have you ever gone crying at the foot of the cross and you thought he's not listening and you decided to move you know most of the time we get up and move a minute before what we wanted to happen happens And we never see the fruition of our prayer. We never see the fruition of what we asked for. Because we want it right now. And if God doesn't give it to us right now, then we're going to rebel. And I'm telling you right now, God is saying, I have bigger things in store for you. Why are you about to settle for less than my best? And what I hear the Lord saying is, don't make a decision don't move stay your course stay right on track because i'm trying to do something for you and you're running off trying to make it happen yourself it's not going to it's going to crash the father he shows up with his son his son has multiple problems. And I'm sure when I was reading that, if you're like me, you were going, I think that's probably like seizures. He's got this. He needs to have a purple t-shirt or something. And I know ah, that's probably something else. That's we're, all, we're trying to be super scientific about it, aren't we? The Bible says it was a demon. I'm sorry, it was a demon. We cast a demon out of a woman in his church one Saturday morning while we were doing a prayer training. Oh, what kind of church is this we're coming to? A real one. <laughs> A spiritual one. A one that recognizes there's a God and a devil and a demon and an angel. This woman came up for prayer and some of the, I didn't do it. Some of the ladies started praying for her and she started getting all hinky and jinky and fell over on this concrete. Look down at your feet. Look at that concrete right there. Her head hit that concrete, and it sounded like somebody took a wooden ball bat to the back of her head. She hit so hard. I fully expected to see blood on the ground. And she was down there for a couple of minutes, and people were looking at me like, and people were looking at her, and she was, you know, like a trout. And people were praying for her. And all I could think to say was, it's okay. Jesus has got this couple of more minutes, she stood up. Do you need some Tylenol? No, why would I need Tylenol? Because you whacked your head on the ground and we all heard it. She said, I don't have a headache. She did this. She touched all over her head. Didn't wince once. Listen, it happens today. It really does. you got to get a hold of the idea that we serve a spiritual God and spiritual things happen. But so many times in our humanity, we leave before we see the fruit of our effort. This father, his, his prayer might have been the energy, might as well have been the energy that it took to get his son to the presence of Jesus. And when he showed up, there was no Jesus. He was up on a mountain. And the disciples said, he's not here. We'll take care of it. At some point, they said, let us do this. And so the church was doing its best, hanging on, trying to make this happen for this man. And this man got frustrated, and it wasn't working. And at some point, if he was like me, I would have packed it up and headed out. You guys are a bunch of fakes. That's what I would have said. You're a bunch of frauds. Where's the prophet guy? The Jesus one. That's who I want. I don't want you guys. You, You don't know what you're doing. No, no. But I love this. He stayed. The father stayed. He stayed and listened to the disciples and the teachers. He wasn't the one arguing with the teachers of the law. His disciples, Jesus' disciples were arguing with the teachers of the law. He was just standing there. When Jesus said, what are you guys arguing about? He's over here somewhere going, hey, I brought my son. And it started this whole thing. But this is the the deal. And Jesus said, well, how long has this been going on? And he gives him the spiel. He stayed there. Until Jesus showed up. We don't often stay till Jesus shows up, do we? Get on our knees, say a prayer, get up and head out. We sing that we want revival, but man, you've got to do it before 1230. We got plans today, Lord. I'm not saying we're going to stay here all day singing. I'm not saying we're not, but I'm not saying we are. But think about it for a second. How many times do we cry out to God and then we get up and leave before He has a chance to do anything in our lives? How many times? How, what's the cycle of us doing that over and over and over? Well, I'm still here. Last thing I want to show, share with you, and I'm going to wrap it up, is this. There's our heart statement because we say with the Father, I do believe, Lord, but help my unbelief, help my wrong belief. I've seen a lot of wrong beliefs on social media. Listen, I love you. And if you want to make a spiritual post, do it. But do me a favor and do the theological homework before you do. Because you've been posting some stuff that's, and you know, not you or you or you, but us, you. been posting. It's, it, it's not solid Christianity. It's not solid Bible. It's just a bat to beat people on the head with. And that's not what Jesus came for. So we don't have to do that. Help my wrong belief. We cannot just say it, know it, and argue it. We have to live it with integrity and it will cost us. You know, a long time ago, <clears throat> when the church wasn't split up into denominations, the apostles, they, they wrote something up and people had to um, uh, ascribe to this. It was just a way of saying, this is what I believe. And as we wrap up this, uh, this, this sermon series, and I'll, I'm sure I'll visit it again, but this is what we believe. And for me, I hear Rich Mullins playing this on a hammer dulcimer. It's called the Apostles' Creed. It's what they would lead people in. It's the theology of what they believe about Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker or creator of the heavens and the earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary... Can't you hear that? If you know who Rich Mullins is, can't you hear that right about now? Yeah, yeah. Said, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, little c, global, church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. Man, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and I believe in life everlasting. I believe that this is not all there is to know, and the day is going to come when it's going to make sense. I believe in 1991, I heard the Lord say that he specifically wanted me to join the kingdom of God as a harvester. He he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, not pray to the Lord of counseling, not pray to the Lord of healers, not pray, pray to the Lord of feeders, not pray to the Lord of social justice, not pray to the Lord of people to make people feel better about themselves. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, because if we speak to the harvest, we better be speaking to those other things as well. If we are preaching a gospel that does not reach into social issues, we're not preaching a whole gospel. But it is entirely possible to focus on social issues and not preach the gospel at all. And that's not what we were called to do. We have got to bring a whole gospel. I believe that God called me to minister, to gather, and to shepherd. In 2009, I heard the Lord specifically call me to plant this church, to preach the word in season and out, to chase Jesus recklessly, to love people recklessly, and sometimes enough to challenge their wrong theology and their lifestyles. I believe that he said, and when you're doing that, Joe, stay out of God's way because God is God and Joe Wood is not. I believe that I heard the Lord say that pennies, that, that's what uh, Evan was referring to down at the end of this, is empty right now. I believe that pennies is the goal for where this church is actually supposed to be when it's all, it was not available when we planted here, when God called us here. I have not given up. I have not stopped praying that that's where we go. But in the middle of COVID, I wasn't going to make a rash decision. And I asked some of you to join me in literally fasting and praying. And so we said, let's just wait. I'm not here to make an announcement about it. I'm just telling you, I still believe. I follow God because I believe. I believe that he can make a difference in your life. I believe that he can make a difference in your marriage. I believe that he can make a difference in your children and your eternity. But I believe that you have to decide how much of a priority you're going to make him rather than bending him to your priority. I believe that he has a better life for you, but you keep settling for something else. I believe that you are saved by grace alone, but you are called to leave your life of sin and follow him. I believe that you're called to work out your salvation every day through your choices. Work it out doesn't mean earn it. It means let it show through the choices that you make. I believe. I believe that people should see the ongoing changes inside of you and I, and it should never stop, and that should be the one constant that as we grow, we learn, and as we learn, we change. And people should ask us, why you do that? And we should say, because I learned something. You know, there was a word that was a part of my vocabulary, and a man challenged me on that word one time. He said, you know, that's a swear word. I said, no, it isn't. He said, yes, it is. That was the day I stopped using it. Because I should always be changing and growing. And I didn't want any unwholesome talk to come out of my mouth. I believe that some people will go to church but not follow Jesus. I believe that giving my life over to making difference in other people's lives is kingdom work. I believe it begins with introducing them to Jesus. I believe that I've been called by God himself to lead this church and not compromise, and I don't have to be the one trying to defend it. I believe that God will protect it from the devil, from thieves, and I believe that God will protect it from me as I watch things unfold in our country, in our churches. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to do things God called us to do. I believe he's called us together to bring about change in central Kentucky. I believe that God believes in you more than you ever believed in yourself. Because you can't comprehend what he's trying to do in your life. And he's only beginning by calling you to come follow him. See, what we believe and what we do, excuse me, what we believe is what we do and we've been called to be doers of the word not just knowers and so this morning I ask you do you believe do you believe have you brought your son and that's a metaphor or it's not a metaphor to the feet of Jesus and you got up and you left too soon your dream your hopes your relationships, your finances. You brought it to Jesus and you cried out to God and you said, God, if you can do anything. And God said, if I can do anything, because all you wanted was crumbs and God is about to raise your dream from the dead. But you've got to stay there. You've got to stop letting, letting the church Determine for you whether you're going to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus. Listen, let me let me let you in on a little secret. <laughs> the church is people, broken, hurting people. You know how I know it because you're here, and I'm here with you. So I can't determine that one hypocrite in church is going to send me packing, or I have to say I really wasn't looking for God. I was looking for a reason to not look for God. I believe that God wants to do something in your life, but you got to let him. And I believe today is the morning for it. These people are up here, and listen, I, I know in the back, don't, don't phone me, okay? But I know in the back, if, if, I want you to come over here, I want you to come this way, Cleon, come this way. Okay. okay, stop right there on this side of the stairs. On this side of the stairs. There you go. I want you in the light. <laughs> I won't bite anybody. Thank you. See, you're already ahead of it. They're so smart. These people are here to pray for you. And those of you that are online, listen, there is somebody at vineyardrichmond.com behind that little green button that says prayer chat. Click that button. They want to pray for you. And they want to see your life change, not because they have big dreams and plans, but because you're going through something. These people are up here because they want to pray for you. I don't know if you're carrying sin, secret sin. I don't know if you're carrying a bitterness, a secret bitterness. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that you can leave it right here and go home free. I know you can trust the God that let his son die on the cross so that you could stand up and be a child of the most high God. I know that he's not the one rejecting you when the world is. I know that. And today is a morning for you. So I just want to invite you. There's still three more people up here that are willing to pray for you. And if you're going through something, facing something, touched something, been around something, crossed the line somewhere, I don't care what it is. And you don't have to say, but we want to bring the kingdom of God to bear on what that is right here this morning, because I don't know about you, but I believe, I believe. And so if you want to get up and come up here, I want to invite you to do that right now. It takes a little courage. It does, but don't be ashamed and don't be shy because that's who I was too. That's who I am. A man in need of prayer. A man that believes that God isn't looking, that God, he's not here. He's not paying attention. He went up on the mountain and here I am with my problem. Bring your problem up here today. Let let us touch your problem. Let us pray for your problem. Can we do that? All right, we're going to go into this closing song. These people aren't going anywhere. I believe that when you show up and when Jesus shows up with us, things should happen. And I want to be a part of things happening in my life. I want the cleansing. I want the freedom. I want the love, and I'm going to cling to my call, and I'm not going to let go. If things aren't going to get exciting and better. I'm anticipating the trumpet. So that's my hope. Anything better than that? And I'm excited. Fathers, we come before you right now. Hear us, Lord as we recognize the story of this man and his son and the struggle that he was going through and how heavy that weight must have been and his need just to have somebody put their arms around him and say you're doing a good job and at times God he couldn't forgive himself at times these people Lord they can't forgive themselves you can forgive them and they can believe in that but they can't forgive themselves God you saw us you loved us, and you still do. And you're not ashamed to call us son or daughter. You're not ashamed to call us brother or sister. And you certainly aren't ashamed to call us friend. So come, Holy Spirit. Settle in our hearts today. Teach us to stay until Jesus comes. I release this upon these hearts in this congregation, this heart on the hearts that are watching. In Jesus' name, amen.